You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey everybody, welcome into the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, BallQuest.com and the BallQuest YouTube channel. As always, please like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and don't forget, Christmas right around the corner, you can get a BallQuest.com subscription for one year at only $10. One year BallQuest.com subscription for only $10. I'm Eric Kay, and awesome prize Brent Hubs and Rob Lewis here. we got a full bank of questions, and we'll get started with Sam Smith, 2233. i uh, got a, two questions here. We'll start first with basketball, Rob. Um, how does Tennessee try to match up with Azulis, whatever his last name is, in the post, and is this a game where you'll see more Adu over Plofsic? Uh, I mean, I think you've... I think you're going to see both of those guys. I mean, Arizona has a couple of good bigs, like really, really quality bigs that they will play together. And, um, you know, I don't know if you can match up with them with just Jonas and, and or Yorosh and um, Olivier. So, I mean, I, I think you'll, you know, on the other end, though, you know, Tennessee can give them problems by going small, but, you know, that's the Josiah factor. I mean, if this, that, it, you know, if he's not healthy or half speed, that really, you know, limits Tennessee because I think, you know, not many teams have two quality bigs like Arizona does in college basketball. And, you know, I think you can give them some trouble or maybe pull one of those guys off the floor if you're really effective with your small ball lineup. And that's, you know, that's, that's in limbo right now with Josiah's status. The other half of the question is, do you guys have any good Mike Leach stories? Obviously everybody's paying tribute to Mike Leach, uh, the late great football coach, uh, especially from the 2017 coaching search. No, I don't have any. I don't have any leech stories um, from the standpoint of you know other than they. I think they basically met in a park in California. Uh, Mike Leach and, and John Curry did, and John Curry was ready for him to be the coach and got him to, to sign basically sign an MOU that was not not signed by everybody involved. So um, you know the story for me out of that whole part was the fact that John Curry. You know, when AWOL couldn't be couldn't be heard, and then he ended up flying back to Knoxville thanks to a Kansas State donor who flew him back to Knoxville when they told him to get back. But in terms of specifically for Mike Leach, no, I, I think he very much would have liked to have been Tennessee's football coach, uh, but Tennessee was not going to give John Curry the opportunity to hire him. All right, next we'll go to Athron. Got a couple of questions here, so we'll roll through this. Uh, AP, thoughts on Tennessee's linebacker class now with Aaron Carter? I think it's really strong. Uh, I think their their corners are strong, and I think you know their their linebacker core is really strong. Three really solid guys, three productive guys. Um, I think Arian Carter is just scratching the surface of what he can be. I think Jalen you know Smith is is underrated, and I think T. Lander is just a tackle machine. So um, you know if you're Brian Jean Marie, 
you feel pretty good about what you got done in this uh, particular class. Tennessee's going to go in a separate direction with uh, Elijah Davis, but any options right now, Any anybody in the portal defensive line-wise that Tennessee's kind of checking in on? Well, I, you know, I, I think Tennessee's pretty pretty set at defensive tackle. Um, you know, we'll see kind of where they go. I mean, there's some defensive linemen that they've watched and liked, and, you know, to this point they don't have anybody visiting, um, you know, maybe in January and, uh, you know, Davian Gadson, another high school kid um, from the state of Georgia down near Savannah, he will visit in the month of January as well. But a kid that doesn't sign in February, Hubber, <laughs> things will get thrill a minute in the month of January. And the last question here is asking if 23 recruits that go through bowl thrill practice, can they still go and, and play in their high school all-star games? That answer, again, is, is no, correct, AP? No, it's yes. Oh, it's yes? Yeah, so like, will like you Nico, see Carter playing in the All-American game? Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't be going to the Polynesian Bowl to watch Nico. Well, that is true. I guess when you put it like that, I forgot you have that nice little little work vacation built in there. It must be nice to be AP. Let's go to uh, Bruce underscore Vol. What level of a prospect is George McIntyre? Uh, elite and and Hubbard, big skill set, and and really still figuring things out. When he fills into his body, he's already just super long. When he continues to add weight and fills into his body. Uh, Kick and really throw it, and I, I think that the you know again, much like Aaron Carter, just scratching the surface of what he can be. Yeah, and he's got he's got football in his blood too. I mean, there's there's some genes there, Rob Lewis, that that that, that have been pretty good football. You know, it's a pretty good football family there, uh, which certainly doesn't hurt either. Yeah, and AP, I mean, you you'll know more about this than me, but I, I talked to it with him like really early back in the fall after Tennessee offered, and uh, I mean, it's it's early for him, but. I mean, he's legit interested in Tennessee. I mean, I, th- I felt like that was very genuine, you know, really like Joey Halsey, likes Tennessee offense. His mom went to Tennessee, you know, grew up grew up in the mid-state. So, I mean, you know, it, it's a long way down the road, but I, I think that's when, you know, Tennessee's made a strong early impression. Yeah, mom, mom's a big factor there, too, because of the Tennessee tie. The other side of that family had been Vanderbilt people. Uh, grandfather coached at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of Vanderbilt people. I don't see him going to Vanderbilt, <laughs> uh, but, 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 you know, they didn't exactly like Tennessee on that side when, when coach McIntyre was, was coaching Vanderbilt, but mom's got a lot of Tennessee ties and, and that's not going to be a factor. He's going to go where he wants to go and, and he's going to have a ton of options, Eric, around the country, not just Tennessee and just in the SEC, Michigan, um, some other schools up in the Big Ten area have already shown a lot of interest. So he is definitely going to be a national recruit. Yeah, he came in camp with Tennessee back in June, uh, had a really good workout, had a lot of good things to say about that. And, of course, he did pick up that offer a couple of months later, as Rob's alluding to. AP, one more on him. Um, I know it's early, but would you it's safe to say that he's at the top, if not near the top of Tennessee's board for that class? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think they've got any kind of pecking order. Um, as we said here on, you know, December 15th of 2022. But, you know, I do think that he's one right there at the top of, of several quarterbacks that Tennessee likes and is looking at in 25. Let's go to CN31. This is a defensive question. Uh, Hubbard will go to you with this one. Will the staff move Christian Charles back to safety? Seems like the most obvious move they should make on the back end. I, I think that's where Christian Charles' skill set is best, is at safety. Uh, will they move him there? We'll see where that goes in the spring. But, yes, I, in my opinion, his best skill set is at the safety spot, not at the corner spot. I, I thought he was a, 
he was an out-of-position defensive back th- this season. I know he battled injury, but he never seemed completely comfortable there. And, and I think athletically, safety probably fits him better than corner. It'll be a question about Danico Slaughter as well, who you know says that himself he is a safety. He did some things at corners. He also struggled at corner, you know, getting moved over there mid uh, mid year. But for Christian Charles and Danico Slaughter, be intrigued to see kind of where they are camp wise in terms of spring practice. Let's go to Nashville six one five. Why is a school like Florida having more success than Tennessee in recruiting right now? Seems like Tennessee's better off in NIL, better on the field. Recruiting currently has Tennessee fifth in the SEC. Do you see Tennessee closing the gap? Is it talent-wise versus roster uh, and some other schools uh, like Alabama, Georgia, uh, and, and Florida? Essentially, Tennessee, Florida. Why is Florida recruiting better than Tennessee right now? Well, currently, they are actually behind Florida uh, or behind Tennessee. Tennessee moved up to eighth. Florida's ninth in recruiting. Uh, either way, it doesn't really matter. When Tennessee was 11th and Florida was eighth, their classes are so very similar. Um, you know, uh, I was telling Hubs when we were driving back from – Smyrna, the you know one through like one through fifteen in recruiting is 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 really 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 similar this year. I mean, I, Alabama's got the best class, but like you could replace them with four or five different classes, and it wouldn't shock you. Um, you know, I, I, the biggest thing hubs is like Florida's always going to have a you know fertile recruiting ground, and so when you're able to recruit kids from Florida, you can kind of slide into the backside of Georgia and get some kids. It's going to uh, put Florida in a chance to have a highly ready classes. Again, I really don't care about the stars. I've always said that to me, it's who are these kids picking Tennessee over or Florida over, right? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Rob. I was just saying, I mean, Florida should always out recruit Tennessee. I mean, if they don't, I mean, you you should change head coaches. I mean, mean, and, and the reason is draw a circle from Gainesville up to Jacksonville and down to Orlando that you can drive two hours north or two hours south, and how many future NFL players are inside that circle? A hell of a lot more than they're inside a two-hour circle anywhere from Knoxville. Yeah, Florida should never recruit bad. They should never recruit poorly. If they do, then that's the biggest red flag, you know, with, with your football program, given the fertile recruiting grounds they've got to work with. Hubbard, are you not going to say it? The offshore well, corridor, Hubbard. No, I'm not going to do that. For Paul. <laughs> I, that, that I, I think I, I think Paul actually trademarked that before he left. Uh, although we did get a DMV reference the other night on, on the basketball telecast on the on the broadcast, and I had to call Paul and make sure he wasn't expecting a royalty check on his <laughs> on the use of the phrase DMV uh, when talking about the uh, Washington D.C. Maryland Virginia area there that corridor, as Paul liked to call it. See, in terms of the rankings mishap, this is what I get. I actually went in and I got the questions earlier in the day beforehand. I got them nice laid out here. Then there's a commitment and then the rankings all change. So that's what I get. I guess I won't do this next week. No, no, no. It is again, if you were technically if you looked even after he committed, that they, they were still ranked eleventh on the site, but it takes a few hours to recycle. So it ain't your yeah. fault. If you look on Tennessee or on, on three's Instagram page, they had the updated rankings and Tennessee rose three spots to eight. Again, 8th, 11th, 9th, 10th, all of it's about the same, right? It's it's all in semantics on, like, how many three-stars did you, do you have? How many four-stars do you have? Again, what kind of class do you have? Tennessee's field needed defense. Tennessee's field need at quarterback for the future. You know, I, I think Tennessee's class is really, really good. It's right now 8th, and, you know, I, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm tickled with that, even though they're fourth in the league, just based off of what you've gotten done at – you know, cornerback, what you've gotten done at quarterback, and, and then 
sprinkled in some pass rushers with Bradley and Herring and, 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 and a solid group of linebackers. Yeah, he's done a great job in terms of recruiting that position, that edge position, each of the last two classes. With the two you just mentioned, of course, last year, uh, bringing in James Pierce and Joshua Josephs. Uh, one more question from from Nashville 615 here. Uh, AP, do you see the, uh, the, the, the closing of the gap, if you will, in terms of talent with other schools like Alabama and Georgia? Uh, I mean, slowly. Um, you know, those schools are still going to have more talent than Tennessee because they've got several classes put together. The one thing you have to say about Tennessee's class is like the 20 class, you know, the 21 class, like those things got obliterated, you know, um, or not a 21, but yeah, it was the 21 class. It got obliterated um, just because, you know, kids have left, kids left during the coaching change. They've, you know, they've, you know, either, you know, struggled in school and had to leave or, or other, a myriad of other reasons. Go back and count the number of kids that are left from that 2021 class. And like, if you go and look like people like, you know, uh, Cody Brown aren't even factored in like Jamarion Gooch who had signed with Tennessee and then asked out aren't even factored in to the kids that technically signed that December and are nowhere to be found on Tennessee's roster. There's very few. And then you go back to the class before that, it's very similar. So when you're, when you're talking about gaining, you have to think about the two classes that you just saw get just mutilated before hype got here or, or kind of went during the transition and say, okay, they made up a nice, you know, a little bit of ground, you know, last year at the end with some really solid additions at Pierce and Joseph's and, and, and Tyree West, they had a great class this year, but this takes several years to kind of build to truly catch up. You're, you're gaining a little, but like to truly catch up to where Georgia's at and Alabama's at talent wise, is is going to take several classes. Let's go to Annan one six six two zero three six three nine nine. He kicks off here by saying, <laughs> what? "Wait, do it again, just for me." Annan one six six two zero three six three nine nine. Yeah, you're clear. You're cleared for landing on runway number six. <laughs> uh, it starts off here by saying, "Love how Rob is so relaxed on YouTube." Rob's not on the couch here today, but that is something that I enjoy as well. Uh, for Rob, do you see B.J. Edwards' role expanding during the year, or can he still redshirt like in football? Uh, I don't see his role expanding. He could redshirt. I don't. He won't redshirt. I mean, he's been playing garbage minutes, and, and there's nothing. It's nothing about B.J. I mean, he's behind a bunch of veteran guards, and I can promise you, nobody over there, at least of all Rick Barnes, is disappointed in, in B.J. They like him, like his attitude, like his skill set, and um, you know just. A, a bunch of older dudes in front of him. You're not going to cut Zakai's minutes. You're not going to cut Santi's minutes. You're not going to cut Tyreek Key's minutes. You're definitely not cutting Ju Julian Fields' minutes to get BJ on the floor right now. He's going to be a really solid player down the road, and nobody is disappointed in, in where he's at. A two-porter here uh, to the football field now. Uh, Brent Hubbs, you could probably answer this one. Who were the guys in red sweatshirts on the sideline? Is, is that the guy, one wearing red, one wearing blue, one wearing green, or is there another – Group no, of that's red the, sweatshirts. That, that's the signal guys um, mm -hmm. that are um, in front of the black tarps or the black screens or, or whatever those are. And the screens are there to provide a backdrop for the players to see, to make it easier to see the signals, a solid backdrop right behind those guys. And, and the colors, there's an indicator, you know, you can, you can go out for some series and, and blues the indicator for the play that series. Uh, and, and, 
and, and red and green are the dummy, you know, the dummy signals and, and it rotates different, you know, different series um, and that type of thing. They use those colors because you don't want, you don't want it blending in with orange on the sideline. They're trying to make that very distinctive. I mean, how many times do we see Brew McCoy this year going, Hey, I can't see y'all need to move. There's somebody in my way here. I can't see, you know, who those guys are because they're going so fast. And I mean, guys all the way across the field have to get that signal. They want to make those guys as distinctive as possible. Let's go to Rotley for life. Um, Are the signees who will be practicing for the bowl able to um, uh, go to the side and practice or was it just in Knoxville? That's a new rule, right? AP that that they can. Yep. They're going to Miami. Um, and, and they'll practice, and then on game day they won't be. They'll technically be in uniform. They just won't have pads. So like they'll be on the on the sidelines in a jersey, um, but they will not have pads on because they're not eligible to play in the game. But they'll go through full practices here in Knoxville. Then when the team breaks for Christmas, then they'll reconvene with the team in Miami, and they'll go full through full practices down in Miami. Uh, is Penn State still sniffing around with Cam Seldon, and will there be any potential surprises on signing day like West and Pierce last year? No, I do not believe that to be the case, um, and no, I do not believe that to be the case. All right, let's go to can't get right eighty four oh two. Besides Hendon Hooker, who will be the most difficult player to replace in twenty twenty three? Rob, why don't you kick us off Dar- here? Uh, Darnell Wright. I mean, I. I think pretty pretty easy answer. Yeah, he's my answer too, and that's not a knock on Jalen Hyatt. I think Jalen Hyatt, no. what Jalen Hyatt did was was unbelievable. I think history says though in this offense, you can find a receiver if he's got some speed. Not going to be as productive. Not going to lead the country in touchdowns or anything like that. But um, you know they were productive at that spot with Valus Jones the year before. Um, I think they can be productive that's at that spot with receivers there. I, I think it's easier to plug and play a guy in there, Austin, than it is to go in and plug and play uh, a, a new right tackle in. And, and the thing about Darnell that I think Austin gets lost is the durability that he's yep. played with in his Tennessee career. I mean, the guy's a snap eater. I mean, he has missed no time. Knock on wood, hopefully, you know, if he plays in the bowl game, um, you know, everything goes fine from a health standpoint. But he is – he has been a rock for Tennessee the last two years, whether it's left or right tackle with his durability. Yeah, and I love it. I mean, he's going to play in the bowl game, and I, and I love that. You know, I mean, I'm not, I am not. don't hate on Jalen for opting out. I, I, I totally get it. The, the, the chances of, of something going wrong and then it spiraling even more out of that are too great when you have – Dude's got to run at the combine. Grab. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I get it, you know. But, you know, I, I kind of love that, you know, Darnell's super close with Carvin and Cooper, and I think he wanted one more game with those guys. And, um, you know, I, and I know, you know, he's excited to play. And, and talking to people over there has really, really been, you know, dialed in because I think he wants to go out with a bang. And let's face it, I, we said this the other day on the podcast, he's going to go up against some really quality defensive linemen at Clemson. So when you think about a chance to really put more on tape for, you know – all those scouts to look at. This is a big deal, uh, you know, considering who he's went against this year to this point, whether it be at Georgia, LSU, Alabama, now Clemson. Those are defensive line universities where they produce them year in, year out. Well, and, and and I may be wrong here, Eric and, and Rob, you both jump in, but I think of all the guys out there, I think there's an, there's been enough talk about Jalen Hyatt where you see him in the mock draft. You don't know that there's a whole lot more movement, right? He, he's going to be late in the first round, early in the second round. And, and I don't think there's a, 
I don't think he's going to go run a blistering time and go to the, you know, into the top 15. Darnell Wright seems like a guy who's projected anywhere from second to fourth round. And I think the more people dive into him, I think that's a, of all the Tennessee guys out there, I think he can move up the draft boards over the next three months more than anybody else that's going to be in the draft for Tennessee. I, I mean, I think the film, what you're talking about, AP, is, is, I mean, is, is a really good point about, you know, going against the guys at Clemson. I think Darnell is also, I mean, you don't think about this a lot with offensive linemen. I think he's a kid that will really help himself in the testing part of stuff. Just because I, I told Hub that today, driving back from Smyrna. Well, you know, great I, minds, I AP. Great minds. Because, I mean, I, he's just so athletic, and you don't really think about offensive linemen, you know, in that way. But, you know, when he gets measured against his peers, you know, in, in the things he can do athletically, I think he's really – I think he's going to rise. Yep, because, I mean, anybody that can drop step a basketball goal or a basketball goal, a drop step a basketball and dunk it at 330 pounds – I mean, they've got some athleticism to him. Yeah. He's always had good feet, and um, so yeah, I, I'm with you, Rob. And what what was it? What was it, what Coach Fulmer used to call it? Hover the bend, the flat back, the, the flat back, and a lot of bend. Back. He's got a, he's it. got a good flat back. Coach Fulmer always liked the guy with a good flat back and a big old rear end with good feet. <laughs> that was the and guy it, who was going to go really high in the draft and who could bend their backs at yep. weird, at odd and extreme angles. Uh, Matt Miller, uh, draft uh, uh, expert, uh, tweeted out the other day that Darnell Wright's the best right tackle in the class. So th- there's that. There, people are already falling in love with him. Uh, one more part to it, uh, this for AP. What does Tennessee need to do in order to be competing for top five classes uh, in terms of recruiting, or is it as simple as just keep on winning? Keep on winning. And, and again, like I said, I, I think this class is, is, is really good. It could easily, in, in, in a lot of years, it could easily be fringe top five. This is just an exceptional year, um, you know, across the board. Like, you know, Tennessee's class ended like 11th last year. Right now it's eighth. To me, this class is way better than last year's class. So what's that tell you to me? That means that the, the, the depth of the classes this year are uh, way, you know, way better than they were a year ago. And so I, I just go back to, you know, you just have to keep winning. And, again, don't get caught up in where they are. If you're in a top ten class, you're good. I, I know everybody wants to be top five and top, you know, top three and number one, and and trust me, that's their goal too. But like, it's who are you getting that can help you and your program, and who are you beating out for them? Somebody put this on the board, uh, you know, on Wednesday, and I thought it was, uh, you know, it was really impressive. Um, just if you look at who Tennessee's beat out for a number of the prospects they have committed. It's just super impressive, whether it's Hobbs and Nico and, and you know, Arian Carter and, you know, right down the list, you know, Jordan Matthews. I mean, these are all guys that like Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, teams like that wanted. Like, that's who you want to be competing against. I'm, you're not going to get every kid on your on, in a recruiting class up against those teams, but you have to get your fair share. And for the first time in a long time, Tennessee did get their fair share this year. Yeah, and and I think the other thing, too, is look at where they are in the state of Tennessee in a year and a half. I mean, you know, Josh Heupel came in, landed on the ground. They had that that Tennessee class was was all world, right? I mean, that was the most ballyhoo class yep. in Tennessee. And, you know, the, the timing of everything was off. So you didn't get Ty Simpson. You weren't in on Dallin Hayden. Um 
who else am I? I mean, Walter Nolan and on and on and on. Look what they've got done this year. You're not going to build a fence around the state and take everybody and get everybody in the state of Tennessee. But here, getting Caleb Herring, number one player in the state of Tennessee, getting Arian Carter to go with him, who some people will say is the number one player in the state of Tennessee. Tennessee has done the work in state this year, Austin, to keep the best players in the state at home. That's a huge growth and huge step forward for Tennessee in a year and a half, two years on the job for Josh Heupel. Well, it is. And, 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 you know, they're in a really good spot with, you know, the 24 class, uh, several players in the 24 class. And, and all that goes back to the work that they have done in the 23 class to kind of, you know, hey, you've now seen two years. You saw us go from they got three and seven team and go seven and, and five in the regular season. Then you saw us take a seven and five team, turn that into 10 and two. And realistically, they did that by just kind of developing and drawing up ball plays because the rosters and the orders have changed dramatically, you know, um, from year, from year one to year two, they just kind of continue to develop. And, you know, some of these players have, have, you know, rose up and, and, and made themselves better and, you know, kudos to them. So again, I think next year, if some of the freshmen this year, can develop this offseason heading into their sophomore year or the redshirt freshman year, whatever. I think that's where there is a a lack of a – I won't say they're not going to step back. Ten and two, if they can duplicate that, that would be unbelievable, right? But, like, to not go from ten and two to six and six. Go to ten and two to eight and four, nine and three. Like, take – you know – you know, make the make the 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 transition from year two to year three not as much, and then year four should be a huge year because all these kids should be further into the program, further established. But again, with today's world of the the, the portal and stuff, kids are going to eventually leave, like they do every program. It's about replacing them, and then again, I think it's about ultimately doing what they've done this year, and it's attack the high school class hubs. You can't live in the portal. These people that think you can live in the portal are wrong. You've got to build it with high school kids and then get the players out of the portal you really, truly need. Like if you're trying to fill in 15 or 20 spots, you know, doing what Ole Miss did last year, it's just really hard unless you hit on a quarterback. And Ole Miss got decent quarterback play this year. But I, I think you ultimately have to build it through the high school classes. I looked at it the other day when writing the impact for Arian Carter. Tennessee has four of the top 18 kids in the class, the top or for the state of Tennessee, top two, and then like Aiden Bustle was 18 and, and you know someone was in between, but Tennessee's doing a good job Perfect. there. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Uh, Vulcan wants to know, Rob Lewis, does this basketball team have a higher ceiling, um, have a higher ceiling and high floor compared to last year's team? I mean, last year's team won the SEC you know, tournament and finished the regular season in rank number five. So I don't know that I would say this team has a higher ceiling than that. And if, and if Josiah's in and out of the lineup all year long, that, that in, impacts my thinking too. I, I mean, I think they're pretty – I would say they're pretty similar. I mean, I think if this team were to win an SEC tournament regular season or tournament championship, I would, I would think that was a pretty solid accomplishment. The biggest thing this team needs to do, this head coach, is get out of the first weekend. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, because because I mean, regular season's not the judgment in this sport. It's it's three weekends at the end of March and, and the first of April. That that is the, that is the judgment. And yeah, you can and be. That, I was just gonna say that's that's what makes. Last year's team hard to judge, or hard, makes it hard to feel. How you know? How do you feel about last season? You won the first SEC tournament since, you know, the, the 1970s. You know, in, uh, in, this, in the second place, it was a great season on one hand, but it ended on a real down note. So, I, I mean, I think this if this team is 16, I think that's a disappointment, even you know, with or without Josiah. Well, you know, go back to Conzo's last team. Or not last team, but, you know, right there at the end. Maybe it was his last team, Rob. I don't it was know. his last team. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, they were just kind of okay. They got first four <laughs> or last four or whatever. I, point is, they're playing Dayton. And they found a way to get to Raleigh and then back to Indianapolis and got to the Sweet 16. Again, it's about playing your best basketball at the right time. And, you know, we had, you know, Zakai Ziegler on Ball Club Confidential, and we'll have that on Friday. And and he's just, you know, I think he likes the makeup of this team. Um, you know, and, and I think ultimately he feels like the fact that, you know, they're having to learn to win without Santi at times and not Josiah at times will help them long term because when they get those guys back, it makes them deeper. And they understand, hey, we can win if we don't have one of our better players. And, and we, we just have to keep playing and, and play through it. All right, so this could be an infomercial here, but one of the things I love about being over Dom 3, you go to the prospects page and all that, and you've got commitments, signees, uh, transfers, early enrollments, all those tabs. You also have an NIL value sticker. Brent Hubs, any idea how that is assigned, how they calculate that for each kid coming in, either through the portal or through traditional recruiting? Well, I mean, it's there's a complete definition of it at, at on three and on Twitter. If you follow Shannon Terry, um, he's broke he's broke down all of the values and, and kind of how that goes about. Whether it's your brand value, uh, roster value, um, there, there's different layers to that. And, and the one thing that that's going on at, at on three um, is the is the resources uh, being invested into the NIL factor um, into this, and, and it and it's needed because. NIL is so key in, in recruiting and in the transfer portal, and, and there's so much going on right now with NIL um, that that everybody's trying to get a handle on it. And and this gives you know this gives a detail a better detailed explanation uh, of kind of what it is. So I would encourage anybody to hit Shannon's Twitter feed and, and read everything there. I'm not going to bore you with reading it all, but if you want to learn more about kind of how. Um, everything is put together and what the next phases are in the, in the NIL plan. Um, you, you should jump in there and check that out. Cause there's detailed, there's all kinds of details and how that goes about 
being put together. Kind of on that note, GBO Farms wants to know, do you think NIL will uh, inevitably be directed mostly at transfers? Transfers are proven college players who can't transfer again without penalty. Um, anything like that, more towards transfers compared to traditional recruiting? Nope. No, no, I don't I don't think so. And the reason why is there's a lot of transfers in there that the, – the idea that the transfer portal is loaded with immediate starters, big impact players is just a false narrative. Um, and I get it. I mean, you see the Hendon Hookers and what he meant to Tennessee, uh, and you see Jameer Gibbs at Alabama, Rob, and you see some of these guys that jump in that way. But but they're they're thou, you know they're over a thousand guys in the portal. Those there aren't a thousand impact players. A lot of these guys are looking for a new start, and they haven't done anything at the place that they're at. So why would their why would the money go to the NIL there for a guy who's not been a big time contributor somewhere? Yeah, I mean, I, I think coaches are really still sorting through how to, you know, how to use the portal. I, I, I couldn't, uh, I'll chime in with what AP said earlier, but I, I think it's, I think you sprinkle in portal guys kind of like free agents in the NFL, but if, if you're relying on them every year, then you, you're going to, you're going to very quickly have a dysfunctional program in my opinion, if that's you know going to be a huge part of your recruiting plan every, every season. Yeah. If NIL wasn't uh, um, a thing, then I would tell you that, going the portal route would be kind of like, you know, Kansas State did or Mississippi State did with Jackie Sherrill um, when they kind of went the, the JUCO route a lot. Um, but with, with the NIL involved, is Rob's right. I mean, like, you know, the kids going in the portal, you know, well, you know, I, I was getting this there or, you know, this school's offering me this. And, there, again, there's no way to prove that that kid's telling you the truth or, or lying to you. And so it's a bit of a game of chicken, so to speak. And, it, it again, I, I – I don't really care for some of the stuff going on, but it's not that I, I think the kids getting paid is great. What I don't like is there's no parameters and it, it just is a free for all. I mean, and it's like jumping in the ball pit down there at, at McDonald's when you were seven years old. I mean, literally anything could happen. You could get gum in your hair, you know, a kid could land on you. I mean, there could be a lot of things go on when you, when you do that. Well, and another thing, AP, I mean, I, I know this happens in basketball, and I don't know if it does in football or not. There's, you get third parties involved. Yeah, and they are not, not the parents, not the high school coach, you know, and I don't want to cast, you know, I don't want to say AAU coach or whatever because there's some phenomenal AAU coaches out there that do a lot of great things for kids. But I know several instances where, you know, just felt like things were done and headed in the right direction, and all of a sudden – somebody comes back with some crazy number that hadn't even been, you know, had not even been talked about. And when you, and I would have, and what you said, there's no way to prove, you know, did school X really offer, you know, that much money? Cause you can't pick up the phone and call school X's collective and say, Hey, is this true? Well, I mean, I, I can tell you that there was, there was one school and it's not Tennessee, but like it was another school and, and actually not even the SEC, but it was another conference. And one of their better players came to them and said, well, player, X, you know, school X is going to give me, you know, you know, $1 million. And the school's like, well, you know, we can only offer this. And it was like, you know, a quarter of that. And the kids stayed. So, you know, you tell me, like, you know, you tell, yeah. you, you tell me, you tell me where that kid, you know, he was, he was, he was, he was fishing. He found him he a woman. He get, and <laughs> All right, we got three left. Contract negotiation with Eric Kane. He always tells you that you know WNML is coming back after him. He's going to offer, you know, lots of money. 
Hubs is like, no, go back and sit in the corner. And there he goes. <laughs> Fritz, they're talking Jimmy Hobbs money. <laughs> Nobody's got that Jimmy Hobbs money. Nobody's got it. We got three more, two football, then we'll end on a hoops one. But first, uh, with the success of the running game uh, since Heupel's arrived, why has Tennessee struggled to land a potential game-changing running back? Seems like a great opportunity here. Well, maybe they have one. Maybe Cam Seldon's a game-changing running back. I, I, I don't want to say that he is or he isn't, but I, I just think that you let that one play out because if he is who some think he could be, then then they've done that. Now, you know, we'll see. Um, it, it, I, I get the frustration. I think in last year, again, they were late to the party, still had the investigation hanging over their head, and it was tough to show what you had, you know, hadn't done yet this year i think the running back you know recruiting was hampered by the fact that there's just not many great running backs in the 23 class so 24 a lot better year with running backs cam selden just as a running back as a senior 45 attempts 551 yards 11 touchdowns he added five more touchdowns at receiver three more touchdowns at kick return and he returned a punt as well um ap who's the biggest out of so you talked in state 2024s a moment ago quickly who are some potential out of state 2024s that tennessee likes an awful lot wingo would be one the wide receiver yeah absolutely ryan wingo is is, is right up there um you know the tennessee's going to continue to try to recruit the state of north carolina in 2024 i think that'll be something they they, they focus on hard, pretty hard state of virginia in the state of Georgia. I don't think they'll be at, in at Alabama as much in 24 as they were in 23. But again, new names pop up all the time. Coaches are going in these schools right now. They get a, get a chance to talk to some of these you know, high school coaches. High school coach X says, hey, man, I've got this 24. He's kind of under the radar. Take a look at him. That's all of a sudden names pop up. Boom, boom, boom. So, um, you know, we're going to get more into that 24 class in the month of January um, and, and, and kind of start hitting the ground hard there with kind of where I, I'm going to try to lay the roadmap on where I think Tennessee wants to go with the 24 class, but I'm you know, pretty certain we'll end up a lot in uh, North Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, Tennessee, and then Josh Havel, and then we're always going to recruit Florida, even though that's kind of been uh, difficult for the Vols over the years. I don't know about that, though. You've got a couple of vacations scheduled for January, so you know, we'll see if that happens. Well, you know, helps on the way, baby. Hoping you can cover baseball. Last one. We all know the starting five doesn't necessarily mean the best five. Rob Lewis, if JJ, if Triple J is not available, which combination do you think is the best five on the court? Before you go, Rob, did you know? Did you know? Here you go. Here's your little fun fact about Zakai Ziegler. His middle name is Z, so technically he's Triple Z. Now you talk about Triple J. Wow. Uh, so that's Eric. That's without Josiah available. Yeah, without. Yeah, I would say the best. This is the best five because Rick is clearly not going to start Zakai after first couple of games. But Zakai would be out there. Santi would be out there. Uh, Phillips would be out there. Uh, and then, depending on the matchup, I might go small with Olivia at the five and Tariki out there if you need size. And I would go Adu and and Olivier with Santi, Zakai, and Phillips. All right, that'll do it here for this edition of the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Got through 16 of your questions, and uh, good questions here this week. Really appreciate it every single hey, Thursday. Eric, hey, Eric, before we sign off, let me let me give a little a little senseless knowledge that I learned 
on on Wednesday night upon returning from Smyrna, Tennessee. Okay. You know, I don't watch. I'm I'm not a pop a pop culture guy, but I'm watching. What? I know. What? I'm, I'm watch. I'm watching Florida and Ohio play basketball, and they show this guy on the screen, whose name is Titus O'Neil. Apparently, he's a professional wrestler. WWE played football for Steve Spurrier. Yeah, his name is Thaddeus Bullard in Life, yep. Rob Lewis. Oh my Live goodness! Oak, Florida. Thaddeus Bullard's claim to fame for Tennessee. He visited Tennessee on the official weekend, the same weekend that Derek Chambers visited. He was committed to Florida. He spent the weekend up here babysitting Derek Chambers because Derek Chambers had privately committed to the Gators and was a signing day flip to Florida over Tennessee. Derek Chambers out of North Carolina. There's your Probably, was, that, was, that Black, was that Black Wednesday? Was that part of Black Wednesday? That was in one? the same class as Black Monday, but that did not occur on Black Monday when Tennessee lost Ernie Badeau um, and several other defensive linemen. Ernie Badeau out of River Ridge, Louisiana, by the way. I don't know where he's at these days, but I had no idea that's who, Ta- who Titus O'Neill was because I didn't know who Titus O'Neill was, period. How about that, Hover? Look at you. I've next, learned something. Next time WWE comes to town, we'll make sure you two hook up. And y'all can really, <laughs> tell old stories. You, him, and Carmen on a podcast. I'm not um, going to tell those stories because there were some people not happy over the Derek Chambers, and they were looking for somebody to blame, and at one point it was my fault. So there you go. Hey, Good up, stuff. You do, you do your job well enough in this profession. At you some do point, you. You're always going to be the blame for some kid going elsewhere. <laughs> That's you true. do you. You do you, boys. You That's exactly you. right. All right, everybody. Appreciate you for hanging out with us here today. For Austin Price, Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane, and this has been the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast every week, right here on Ball Quest. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.